Lead me to some soul today. Oh, teach me. Lord Welcome, everyone, to episode number 28, if you can believe that, number 28 of a series of episodes that we're calling Leading Others to Christ. As you know, if you've been listening, uh, during these episodes, uh, we're going to be focused on evangelism. And one of our many goals is to try to stir us up again uh, to love and good works, but especially in the area of reaching our family, friends, and neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana. Uh, for those of you, of you that don't know, uh, Franklin's about 20 miles south of uh, downtown Indianapolis. Those of you that know me know that uh, I'm passionate about our topic today. I'm passionate about evangelism, and I, I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when uh, I was 21 years old in, in Owensboro, Kentucky. And ever since then, I've been striving to listen to others, to uh, read things, uh, uh, to learn how to teach others, to use some Bible phrases that I do every time to, to how to sow the seed, how to be a fisher of men and women how to make disciples, how to persuade men and women, and especially how to teach others to teach. And I guess of all the things I've done, I see myself more of a teacher, uh, teacher coach type situation than anything else. But and I always remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, obviously faithful women too, who will be able to teach others also. And then later on in that chapter, he, I like this phrase, he said that we need to learn how to be useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So I came up with this idea to identify the Christians out there, the men and women, the fellow workers who are doing this, who are reaching uh, and leading others to Christ. And once we've identified them, to, to interview them and uh, to find out where they are and how they're doing what they're doing. Why are they so motivated? And so that's why we're here today. And we're excited today to have with us someone that we're going to be able to learn a lot from. Uh, we have Betty Wolfgang. Good morning, Betty. Good morning. Yeah, great to have you with us today. I'm honored uh, to be here. Thank you. Well, well, that's great. I want to encourage everybody, as I normally do, to get out your paper and pen, because you're going to hear some things today that are going to be worthy of you writing down and remembering. But, Betty, I was trying to think when we first met. I know it was years ago when, when you guys were in, uh, in Danville, Kentucky, uh, maybe even before that. I'm not sure. But uh, you and Steve have always been special people for Gay and I. And uh, Gay told me to tell you hi, by the way. So let's start out with what we've been doing uh, with all the episodes. I call it the elevator pitch or a short bio of tell everybody uh, that doesn't know Betty where Betty was born, uh, how Betty learned the truth, and kind of bring us up to speed to where you are today. Okay. Um, I had the fortune or misfortune of having a father who was a preacher. So I learned very early, but the reason he was became a preacher and in fact a Christian, which he was not, he thought he was, but when he married my mother, she was ill with a very life-threatening disease and he, he asked her to marry him. He was in the military in World War II and she accepted his proposal, but she also said, because he was being moved around the country and maybe even sent out of the country. 
So she said, but I have one condition. And he said, what is it? And she said, that you always make sure I get to the Lord's services on Sunday morning. That's good. And he said much later, he said, if she had ever once veered from that condition, I probably would never have been a Christian. And he was baptized when he studied his, his uh, immediate problem was accepting the Lord's invitation because he had not been brought up that way. His mother had died when he was nine years old. And so he was afraid to make the commitment to what he was hearing and studying. But that was his mindset was he was so much a seeker of truth that he would go home after hearing a sermon that lit his fuse, I shall say. Um, he would go home and grab his Bible and read it and try to disprove, which was not a great motive. But after several years, he could not dispute it. And because he loved the truth. So I learned from both my parents what my purpose in life was going to be. Now, that doesn't mean I learned I was going to be a mental health counselor. It meant I was going to put him first. So now I have chosen and do see that being his daughter, as well as my mother's, was what led me to become who I have become for better or for worse. But, you know, it's very important, the word choice and experience, nature and nurture, and they are both very important. But I grew up in Franklin, Tennessee with my father, was postmaster at Franklin, at Franklin, but he also preached every time he had the choice and chance, which meant driving way out into Middle Tennessee at the time, curvy roads and nausea um, <laughs> to make it to church. So um, my trial by fire started pretty early. And in keeping with that, my becoming a Christian and the need for that and the urgency for that happened very early. And I would worry myself somehow into sleep every night because I knew I had done wrong things. And I knew that people who do wrong things need to be baptized into Christ. So at eight, I talked to my parents about it. And, you know, they explained to me that that wasn't necessary at the moment. But finally, when I was nine, I, I was so conflicted about staying the way I was that my dad said, let's go. We'll go baptize you right now if that's what you need. And I said, it's what I need. So at nine was my first baptism. When I was 12, I thought I was too early. I couldn't have known what I'm doing. He said, let's go back. We'll rebaptize you. There's no harm in that. So I grew up in a family that put the Lord first. And I appreciate that. What a blessing that is uh, uh, to grow up with your folks uh, uh, with that background and that story uh, when so many others did not have uh, the blessings that you had with your mom and dad. And uh, I love I love doing this, asking people to do their bio and, and hear about their story. Every, obviously, everybody's story is different. And uh, there's some similarities, obviously, especially when we're talking about becoming a Christian. We, uh, we, we don't change the truth. We can't do that. But uh, 
the things that led it to us. And we don't have time, but I have a story too. And it was interesting what you said, uh, how he would listen to a sermon, go home and try to disprove it. <laughs> I went through a stage like that where I said, this can't be right. And uh, but I found and that's that, a good stage to go through, right? Actually. I think so. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, because then when you're convinced, you're fully convinced. You've done the, you've done right. the research. But so... Uh, so you married this guy. What, what's this guy's name you married? Uh, oh, that also, I, you know, never say never. I always said, I'm not going to marry a preacher because I don't want my kids to be preacher's kids. And guess who I married? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. See, well, that yeah. too is a blessing. That, that too, too is, is a blessing. Well, you know, that's one thing that that's uh, exciting about interviewing somebody like you is that uh, is a preacher's a preacher's daughter and a preacher's wife. Uh, you understand and you see the uh, the ups and downs uh, in the work. Uh, and what I mean by that is just how difficult it is. Uh, it's work. It's called personal work for a reason, right? It's, it is hard, and uh, Jesus told us it was going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but you know, just for you to to work with uh, him and to be a fellow worker with him, that would be a whole other series of uh, uh, interviews that we could do. But uh, what about that? What what have you seen? Uh, let's do that real quick. I told you I'd kind of veer off on uh, being a preacher's wife. What what have you seen has been uh, some of the challenging things and and uh, maybe the challenges and and also the the pluses from it. Okay, I, I think the challenges for me have always been. And especially when I was the preacher's kid, um, annoying and frustrating in that there was a different set of standards. Now, there aren't really, which I came to realize, uh, in what was expected of a preacher and his wife, especially the wife. My mother said that the preacher's wife is, is only noticed when she's missing. It's like the button on a shirt. It's uh, only uh-huh. noticed if it's missing. So... She had a good sense of humor and um, sometimes cynical, but I learned a lot from her and and from my dad and from other members of my family about being a Christian. But you learn so much by modeling, by what, what is modeled in front of you. And they both did a good job of that. They were not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect except Jesus Christ. So when I aim for, for perfection, it's to be like him. And I, I end up woefully short of that, but it takes a lifetime. It's a lifetime purpose. I was gonna say it really is. I, I, I use the word process a lot. It's a, it's a lifetime process. Um, and sometimes people think that, you know, once we uh, become a Christian or once we take a class or we go through some session that like, boom, we've got it and we're done. It didn't work like that, does it? Right. No, it doesn't. I, at, growing up in Franklin, Tennessee, it was a blessing in that the English department in our public schools was excellent. And it was do, deemed excellent by the National Council of Teachers of English. And I learned the language very well. Math, not so much. And I think it's always struck me how the, the Gospel of John begins. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. I mean, how profound is that? And I've always loved words because we can find the most correct one, the one that works in 
the right situation. And he was presented to us as the word. So we watch him, we study about him, study about God and his nature. And those are the things that propel us to be personal workers. You know, I thought of the opposite of that. Never thought of myself as an impersonal person, uh, leader. <laughs> uh, it's always personal. And we saw that with Jesus. So that's where my, my models have come from. And scripture teaches us that's right. Well, again, so good, uh, the models. Uh, and I think that's what one of the things I'm trying to do with these interviews is to find the, one, the men and women out there that are actually doing this, that are leading others to Christ. And if I can, if I interview uh, Steve and Betty Wolfgang and I learn something from them, I can model that. I can say, you know what? I think I can do that. Uh, they're in the Chicago area, but I'm in Indiana, but I, I think I can do that. And, uh, and oftentimes uh, that's how we can grow. I, I know that that both of you have always been real big on, you mentioned education, you've been real big on education. Um, and uh, I've always admired you for that. And what, what led you to uh, those that may not know that, that uh, you got into mental health and, and why did you do that? Why did you decide that you wanted to be a counselor, Betty? I think there were many reasons, but the most prominent one was recognizing very early on that people who are trying to be Christians are not perfect. They don't do it perfectly. It would be easy to despair and give up. Or we can persevere. These are the virtues that scripture teaches us. We can, we can learn, have gained more knowledge and apply it correctly the way we're supposed to. And that's what I tried to do. And words are important, or they wouldn't God wouldn't have portrayed Jesus as the word, but it's not all there is. And he also came to be the example for us, the example, because, you know, what, whatever suffering I've had in my life, and I've had some, is, is always worthwhile if you work to make a blessing. What is the blessing in this persecution or illness or whatever it is. What can I learn from it? What can I apply gratitude for? Even the most, and we see this in scripture. You know, people say, you know, hard to understand things like, I find it great joy, my suffering. We don't usually experience it that way when we're doing it, but if we look for it, it'll be there. So I, I think I got to mental health counseling because I saw imperfect Christians. You know, young people do that. They think in all or nothing. It's called polarized thinking in um, psychology. And psychology is just the study of humans and why we do what we do and how to explain it. Doesn't mean excuse it. So I think I started to realize how much suffering there was among Christians in churches, when we tend to just call people hypocrites, as opposed to we all have our own weaknesses and our own needs, and we model what our purpose is. And that doesn't mean what your occupation is that helps you gain income. We mean, what is your purpose 
in life. And if we are Christians, it's got to be God and Jesus and being a Christian, being Christ-like. And it is a lifelong process. I think that uh, so many things that you said there that we could uh, that we could talk about of uh, uh, the need. You know, so many times you and I have talked about this before, but so many times you'll see somebody at, at, at worship and say, hey, uh, Betty, how are you doing? And Betty says, well, I'm doing just fine. When actuality, Betty's dying inside and she needs somebody to talk to and doesn't know who to trust and who to talk to. Uh, right. I mean, that that happens a lot. It does. It does. And uh, and I know that's one of the, the little reasons why you got involved in in, in what you do. But uh, you've got such a strong desire to try to help other people. And that's that model that G- I mean, when Jesus came, he, he came to seek and save the lost. He came to help. Uh, and we're supposed to take that and and learn from that and go do likewise, go do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, what's uh, another thought there? He did it in a microcosm. He had 33 years to save or offer salvation to all people. And, you know, I was a preacher's kid. He was God's son. Who could have had more, more problems and issues and anxieties if he'd chosen to see it that way? And we've got to look to him. And so that's what I have tried to do. I, I think that's one reason I've lived to this ripe old age is because I needed every day of it <laughs> to <laughs> continue working on my, my process of becoming Christ-like. So, and I realized when I was, when I started working as a, in Kentucky, as a certified psychologist, that one of the things that was positive about that or could be positive is that I would have the opportunity to reach more people who are not Christians because most of the people around me were Christians because that was so prominent in, in our lives. And um, so I, I viewed it that way and I saw it happen. Can I say that somebody was actually converted from seeing me as a counselor? No, I cannot. That was one thing that was prohibited was bringing up religion to anybody. If they brought it up, it gave you a little bit of latitude but they could see by my words and a lot of the time by my actions that I was a Christian. And so I'm not responsible for how many people I can put on my list of having personally converted, but those are things that God knows. And Jesus didn't convert nearly the greatest percentage of people he came in contact with. No, I, I started to say the same thing. Think of the ones that Jesus taught and uh, they just went away shaking their head and, and not believing and angry. And of course we know what they did to him, right? They, they yes. nailed him to a cross. Uh, the reason I wanted to talk to uh, people like Betty or talk to women that are out there uh, in, in the Lord's work is that I'm afraid in, in in too many places, and I don't want to be negative, but I'm afraid in too many places, and we know what the scriptures teach of the, the men's role and the women's role in the Lord's work, but I'm afraid in too many places, women have, uh, uh, if, I don't want to say put down, or they, they, they have not been able to realize their full potential uh, of what they can do, 
uh, in the Lord's work of reaching and leading others to Christ, because you can set up studies and you can meet and talk to people that I would never have a chance to. They're going to feel more comfortable talking to you, especially other women. And don't you think that there's just so much that women can do in the Lord's work that we're, that women are underutilized? Oh, I know that we have been, yes. And that was one thing that really stuck in my craw for a long time. And what I came to realize that the blessing of that is that I don't have to do the leadership roles of men. Right. And right. not that I'm prohibited from it, which I am, but I see it as I have to look to my strengths as a woman and as a mother and as a sister and, and utilize those because we are greatly needed. And I think minimalization and marginalized is what we've been. And I think we can, we can you know, sit down and shut our mouths the way uh, the generation I grew up in were being told. I, I think it's very hard to escape our generation. But I was also brought up in the women's lib movement days. And so it was quite a conflict in my head. Because part of what they said, the women's lib people, were that men and women are just alike. Well, we are not. We are not alike. God created us male and female. And brain research has done, as well as a lot of research, that we are, our natures are somewhat different. And we can deny that or we can use that for the Lord and for our purpose. And I think... I think it's better. I think the way women are being treated in many places, better. And maybe it's because we ourselves sometimes see there being value only in leadership, outward roles. And that's not true. But we have to value what is in our nature. And one of those was teaching, which I took 13 years off between my bachelor's degree and I was going to be a journalist, believe it or not. But I came to believe that I had another strength that I could utilize and help many people, whereas I would not have been able to reach or become personally involved with, with some people because I, I was viewed as the preacher's kid in Franklin, Tennessee. I, and I think my being able to make the choice and understand how to change my view of the role, the roles that I have, and it's lots of roles, it's not just one, and, and how I can utilize that to his best advantage. And first was to take that break and raise my children. And they weren't completely raised, but they, they had that early learning and development, which is very important. Uh, tell us about- I, I know I get, I get off on my own tangents. No, no, you're doing great. Uh, tell us about a, a conversion story is what I call them, of, of an individual that some, you know, some point and part in your life that, uh, uh, that did obey the gospel and, and share that with us, if you would. I, I love this story. And it's actually a fairly recent one. It happened while we were here. We have a, a wonderful man in the congregation who is, has been a lifelong Christian, as far as I know. And, um, and he, he lost his first marriage 
and um, but he had a scriptural right to remarry. And so after we'd known him for a while, he began dating this really nice woman. She was a member of very devout member of uh, another group um, besides the Church of Christ. She had one of the best spirits and more Bible knowledge than a lot of people I know um, who claim who say they are Christians and and they are. They're just at a different point. And um, she came to our ladies Bible classes and she had so much knowledge. And then she quit coming and he and she got married and she would come sometimes. And at some point she said, I believe and this because she knew the Bible that a, a woman's place is at her husband's side. So I'm going to be here with him and in services. So, but she was so on target with her comments. She was, she was involved in Bible studies and stuff that nobody ever kind of got around to saying, and I even asked her husband, I said, should I talk with her about this? And he said, I don't know yet. And so I think one of the things is we do is we get afraid in the culture we're in to confront people in a correct and loving way and offer them the gospel. So I did that one day. I said, let's go to lunch and maybe we can um, talk about spiritual things. And she jumped at that. And so what, what we did was I had her read some key scriptures about baptism and becoming a Christian. And she read them herself sitting there at the restaurant back when we could go to restaurants. And she read them and at one point, she just looked up after reading one of the scriptures and said to me, I need, I think I need to be baptized again. I need to be baptized correctly. So I didn't do it in any obnoxious way. She read the scriptures in, in the order that I suggested. And she came to the absolute accurate conclusion. And I said, well, let's see. It's, um, it's Tuesday or whatever it was, was not a day that you would go forward in the invitation that sometimes is given in churches. And I said, now, or, or do, you know, what, what do you think? Wait until your husband gets back from this trip or she goes, Oh no, I need to be baptized now. I said, okay, I will call Steve and we'll meet him at the building. Good. And Good. she was baptized that day. And she has been such a servant of the Lord. But thank you for sharing that. I, uh, I'm, you, I think when we talked uh, uh, prior to the interview um, uh, that this has come up so many times Now we don't know, but what if Betty had not taken the time to say, let's go to lunch or, and, and take your Bible with you? You know, I mean, she might have obeyed the gospel later, but, but maybe not. And oftentimes that's what people need is just that quiet time. And I love it too. And I really believe in this of letting people read from the scriptures mm -hmm. themselves. Right. Uh, and because if they're, if they're good soil, God will give the increase, but they, they see that then it's not, it's not Betty telling her this, no. it's her reading it from God's word. And, uh, mm -hmm. and then that way she can be fully convinced, but that's great. Yeah. Th there's just so many out there that I think would uh, respond. If, if more of us would say, let's go have lunch or have a cup of coffee or, Let's talk. You see people that people that have 
interest in spiritual things, right. we need to take it a step further and try to encourage them. And I don't we, take credit for that. Well, I, no, we, I, give, it, we give God the glory. Yes, yes. yes. I but was just we, the medium. Yeah, but we need to, uh, you know, we need the glory in planting the seed. We need to uh, take joy in that is, is a good way to say it. But but we just need more people that would uh, that would be willing to do that because leading others to Christ. I mean, just think about that. Of uh, it's just like Andrew when he was with Jesus and he hears Jesus and he runs back home to his brother Peter and said, "I think I've found him. Come and see." Uh, and we need to do more of that. Can I say so just one one quick thing? Absolutely. One of my blessings is the people that I've met and that I know. And a lot of those, many of those are Christian women who are paragons of Bible study, knowledge, and love for the Lord and love for others. And I wouldn't take anything in the world, not, not the comforts, no, not the luxuries for that. You know, I, I, I say this every now and then when I, I talk to people about different ones that had influences in their past is that if they're still alive, pick up the phone and call them, send them a card and say, hey, I just want to tell you how much what a what an important role you played in my life and me coming to Christ. And uh, and just thank you. And e even that would be a mm -hmm. huge blessing to somebody that exactly uh, Men that. mentorship. I wanted to use Yes, mentorship. Yeah, we all need mentor. We need Barnabases in our life, right? People that will encourage us. Right. Uh, Betty, uh, love you and Steve so much and appreciate the work that you continue to do and uh, continue to pray for you. But keep up your good work and uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to see you soon. But thank you again for doing this. Thank you. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.